0: So as you can tell, this morning we continue our deep dive into the Apostles' Creed. And this morning we come to the third, I believe, statement, and the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Ghost, we say. Now, I don't want you to get caught up on this word, ghost, because that's just the old English word for spirit. And because of our respect for history, we Presbyterians just never changed the word since the 1500s. But we really are saying here that we believe in the Holy Spirit. And today I wanna suggest that this is the most misunderstood and understated line in the Apostles' Creed. This is the line where the Apostles' Creed actually gets very personal. And everything that follows in the Creed, the church, forgiveness, resurrection, all of that is made possible by the work of the third person of God, the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. In Hebrew, that word is ruah. Ruah is translated as spirit or wind or breath, and it appears in Hebrew Scripture 389 times. The Old Testament is packed with the movement and action of the ruah of God or the breath of God or the spirit of God. And throughout that Hebrew scripture, this spirit of God, it's uncontrollable, it's creative, it's powerful. It's there hovering over the chaos before anything's ever created. It fills the life of the patriarchs and then the judges and then the kings of Israel. And it gives the great prophets of Israel, words to speak. Some of these prophets then talk about a future time when God's spirit, the Ruach of God, will be poured out on everyone, not just the leaders of God's people. In Ezekiel we read, a new heart I will give you and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove from your body the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and make you follow my statutes and be careful to observe my ordinances. And then we have in Joel, afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. This is the promise of Hebrew scripture. So remembering that promise, let me set the stage for you for today's scripture reading. I want you to imagine with me a small group of Jesus' followers. They're gathered on a hill outside of Jerusalem and they are in the presence of the risen Lord. Jesus has been crucified. He was buried for three days. He appeared to them, risen from the dead. But now a day or so has passed The chill bumps and excitement of the resurrection, well, they're kind of wearing off. And these disciples are left with so many questions, so many unknowns. And you can hardly blame them because everything has changed, yes, but at the same time, nothing has changed. Listen for God's word and God's promise in the first chapter of Acts. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? And he replied, it's not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus who's been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Friends, I really do feel for the disciples here. I feel for them because they're gathered with Jesus probably for the last time, and they ask a question which was really on their hearts When are you going to restore Israel, Jesus? Is this the time? Now, are you going to do that Messiah thing we've been waiting for? And all they get is a rebuke. Jesus says, it's not yours to know, but, but, I will make you a promise. I promise you the gift of the Holy Spirit, and I promise you power and strength, and I promise you will be my witnesses to the end of the earth. So, Jesus gives these promises, and then he just ascends into heaven. What a sight. How inspiring, right? How motivating, But Scripture tells us that the disciples just stood there. They just stood there, just looking into the sky where he had gone. They stood there staring into space. Are they eager to go back to Jerusalem? Are they ready to take that next step to step out on the promises of Jesus, that he'll meet them there, that they're going to receive power and strength, that they're going to be great witnesses? No. They simply stand there slow to move, slow to speak. It takes two angels appearing beside them, asking them a really important question, why do you stand there looking into the sky? And then those angels basically remind them that Jesus will fulfill his promise, that the promises are good, and the angels gently direct those disciples away from their sky gazing toward their future, the future where the Spirit is waiting for them. Friends, Jesus did make good on this promise in Acts 1 because we know in Acts 2 that Pentecost happens. The Holy Spirit does come to the church. And God's promise in Joel and Ezekiel, Jesus promised the disciples, it's fulfilled. The ruach of God known in Hebrew scripture becomes the power and the comfort and the guide, the partner of the church. And so the church continues to proclaim, to this day, we believe in the Holy Spirit, saying we believe God actively sends power to move us, peace to comfort us, wisdom to guide us, and fire and wind to shape us, right? Right? Well, yes. But I don't… I don't know about you, I just can't seem to get that image out of my head. You know, that image of those disciples just staring into the sky, kind of frozen, unable to move, promised the Holy Spirit, but not introduced yet to its power and presence. Promised the Spirit, but not introduced to its power and presence. I can't get that image out of my mind because frankly, At times that's me, at times that's you, at times that's the church, promised the Spirit and not yet introduced to its power and presence. Methodist pastor Adam Hamilton puts it this way. He says, I think many Christians live a Spirit-deficient life, a bit like someone who's sleep-deprived or oxygen-deprived. Many Christians do not seek the Spirit's work in their lives. As a result, our spiritual lives are a bit anemic and we try living the Christian life by our own power and by our own wisdom. Friends, we were not created to live by our own power and wisdom. And the church cannot, will not thrive on its own power and wisdom. We're meant to be filled and powered and shaped by God's breath, God's spirit. And it makes all the difference. A little secret about me that most of you don't know, I love to dance. I'm really bad at it, but I love to dance. And here's the deal. It's one thing to have admiration for the creator of a beautiful dance, for that choreographer or that artistic director. And it's another thing to watch and learn how to move from a really gifted dancer. But it's something wholly different to take a breath, to close your eyes, to listen to the rhythm of a great piece of music, and then move your body, right? It's a whole different thing. I love to sing. I'm really bad at it. They turn my mic off during music, which is good, I think. And while it's possible to look at a piece of sheet music, to read the music, to maybe pluck out a melody on a piano, to appreciate the composer. And while you can learn and experience a lot from listening to beautiful vocalists sing you a song, like we have happened for us every Sunday in this church, it's something entirely different to take a breath, to close your eyes, to listen to the rhythm and the tune and the pitch of a great piece of music and then open your mouth and sing. Something completely different, isn't it? And friends, in the same way as people of faith, we can spend a lot of time, a lot of energy, admiring, praising our Creator and we can spend a lot of time and energy learning, learning from the teachings and the life of our savior. But it's something entirely different to take a deep breath, a holy ruach, and to listen to the rhythm of the universe which is the love of God and then to step out in your speech and in your actions and in your giving to the rhythm of God's love, it's a whole different thing. A few weeks ago, I hear that there were some people who are here today who went to something called celebration. Is that true? Yeah. Yep. All right. I love it. For those of you who aren't in the know, okay, that's a special weekend that our, our senior high kids got to experience. And I know it was a wonderful weekend. I know you had a great moderator, Andrew Depew right there I know you had wonderful youth ministers like Olivia and Jose you had a yep, you had a great staff you did some marvelous things but think about it did any of that make the weekend powerful and special what really made that weekend powerful and special is the same thing that every retreat weekend becomes powerful and special with, and that it's the experience of the Holy Spirit. It's because in places like they had at celebration or in other kinds of retreats, we take the time, don't we? We take the time to listen. We take the time to open our ears and hearts so that we can sense the Spirit moving in us and we can sense the Spirit moving in the wonderful people around us. Because we take a breath, that we risk letting God move us and change us. And I am so grateful that you guys had that wonderful experience. But let me remind you, you don't have to be at celebration or pilgrimage, or in a rocking-packed worship service to experience the Holy Spirit. No, when we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, we are acknowledging that the Spirit is present everywhere, that the Spirit is always available. We acknowledge the Spirit's presence in our lungs, in the person in front of us, in the challenge ahead of us, in the rhythm of the world around us. And our task, our calling, is to be attentive, to be ready, and to listen. Two friends were in Times Square, Midtown, New York City, in the middle of the day. It was noisy, it was loud, there were cars honking, it was chaos. And as they're walking down the street, one friend turns to the other and says, I think I hear a cricket. And his friend said, you're crazy. There's no way you could be hearing a cricket. Not in all this mess. He goes, no, I really do think I hear a cricket. And he goes to the side of the sidewalk. There's a planter there. And he kind of, you know, goes through it. And guess what he finds? Right there, a cricket. And his friend says, you must have superhuman hearing. There is no way. I could have heard that in all this noise. And his friend says, well, it just depends on what you're listening to. Depends on what's important to you. And his friend said, no, 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 there's just no way, no way could I have heard that. He said, well, let me show you what I mean. And he goes into his pocket, pulls out some coins, and drops them on, drops them on the sidewalk. And they watched as every person within 20 feet turned their head to see if those coins might have fallen out of their pocket. It matters what you're paying attention to. It depends on what's important to you. Friends, this morning I just want to suggest that there is really nothing more important than a life powered and led by the Holy Spirit. Nothing. Not in our schools, not in our families, not in this church, nothing. Because the Holy Spirit is the source of healing and forgiveness. It's the source of compassion and purpose. It's the source of energy for the hard things and joy for the simple things. And our task is to listen and to trust. To trust the promises of God and to recognize the power and the presence of the Spirit. William Temple, a 20th century Our Anglican bishop said it this way, when the spirit blows into your life, you don't ask for credentials. When the spirit blows into your life, you don't wait till you know the source of the wind before you let it refresh you. And when the spirit blows into your life, you don't wait to know its destination before you spread sail to it. It offers what you need. Trust yourself to it. Trust yourself. To it. So if you are growing impatient today with an unknown future or a lack of clear answers, I invite you to trust yourself to the Spirit. If you're tired or scared, if you're lacking energy or hope, I invite you to trust yourself to the Spirit. If you are staring into the sky, not sure what to do next, I invite you to trust yourself to the Spirit. You see, there are some things, my friends, that never change. And one of those is the moving, blowing Spirit of God. It never stops. It always beckons us into the future. It always shapes and molds and empowers us, those we care about, those we worry about. And friends, God can breathe into this place and into your life everything you need, every dream, every resource, every ounce of energy. So let's take the time now to allow that to happen.